Hi, everyone, and thank you for checking out the Dancing Eyes podcast, episode 11. My name is Frankie Caputo, and this is a podcast where I talk to people about their experience living with nystagmus. Today, my guest is Ellie. Ellie is a senior in high school and is about to graduate with their AA. Some of their hobbies are performing in a choir, public speaking, and musicals. Timestamps for different discussions are going to be located in the description of the YouTube video. If you're watching the video on YouTube and you haven't done so already, please hit that like and subscribe button and leave me a comment. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave me a review. I really appreciate it. Lastly, new episodes are going to be posted on the first and third Monday of every month, so make sure to keep your eyes out for those. And with all that being said, I hope everyone enjoys and gets something from this episode, and let's get on to the show. Okay, what's up, Ellie? How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you for coming on again. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, we So for anybody listening who doesn't know, which I don't know why you would know this, but this is our second time <laughs> recording <laughs> because we, we recorded once already and there was just some audio issues and it didn't turn out so well, but Ellie was kind enough to come on and talk to me again, so... Yeah, now we've got some juicy new content. Yes, yeah, we're going to get into it. She got into some kind of uh, altercation. I don't know if it's an altercation. It was something, though. It was interesting. Yeah. Uh, with somebody on Facebook. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And yeah, all right, cool. So yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself, Ellie. Um, My name is Ellie. I'm 17 years old. I live in the Midwest. Um, I go uh so technically i'm in high school um but i go to normandale community college and i'm going to graduate high school with my associate's degree because i'm a pseo student um so i've got a little bit of the college experience already um and it's it's definitely different but i definitely enjoy it a lot more you must be overloaded you must have just a lot of work. I know you're at the library right now. It's doing some work right now. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's different. I really like it because I am able to build my schedule a little bit more how I want to. Um, through my school, I get priority registration because of my eyes. Because like taking, let's say, a math class or a physics class at like three o'clock in the afternoon would be my personal idea of hell. Um, <laughs> so it's really nice to have that and then I'm also able to uh like this semester I was able to get my classes on Mondays and Wednesdays exclusively so Tuesday Thursday and Friday I'm working okay what, what are you doing for work I am a pharmacy technician and training at CVS and then I'm also a certified nursing assistant at a nursing facility are you enjoying it I really like it. Um, I'm thinking about becoming the next step up in Minnesota, which is a trained medication aid. Um, so apparently it's a Minnesota thing, but it's like between a certified nursing assistant and a licensed practical nurse for anybody who's familiar. Okay. So when do you, when do you plan on making that transition? I don't know. I'm still exploring options because I was like, oh, you know, CNAs as far as I'm going to go. I have other passions as far as what I actually want to do with my life, but um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So it's definitely something I'm thinking about. My mom is really hoping I go into nursing, but um, my 
my end goal is deaf education. So that's what you're most passionate about. Like if you had any choice, that's what you would go with. Yeah. And why is that? Why are you so passionate about deaf education? Um, my dad is deaf and then my mom is hearing, but she's a deaf educator. She did some work as an itinerant teacher about 10 years ago for about 10 years. And then she had a little stint in the business world, but now she's back to teaching and really enjoying it. Um, and it's just, it's definitely something I want to do. So I, I am fluent in American Sign Language as well. It's a little interesting that even though it's your mom's occupation, she is kind of pushing you towards doing something else. Yeah, teacher pay isn't the greatest. She can speak to firsthand, but you know, it's what I it's what I want to do. But in the meantime, CNA is definitely a good side hustle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Has nystagmus influenced that at all, or has it affected your career choice in any way? Um. I'd say I tend to be more passionate about things like 504 plans and IEPs because I went through that experience and I know what it's like to have teachers not follow it. Um, As far as pharmacy technician, I can't speak to it too much because I'm not 18, so I'm not allowed to do the real stuff, you know, Um, but putting away medications as they come in is really hard because all the bottles look the same. Mm. Um, so you just have to read super carefully because you have to look for the name of the medication, the dosage and the pharmaceutical company that produces it. Um, because when you get the medications, everything by the same pharmaceutical company has the same bottle. So they all are in the same font. Most of them have the same colors depending on the dosage. So you really got to read. So if I'm putting away medications for a long time, Sometimes it can be a little hard on the eyes. Oh, I get it. Yeah, sounds like it would be. Sounds like it would be, especially if your vision's not the best. And then if your eyes start shaking a lot, then that, that could make yeah. it more difficult. Uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about your nystagmus a little bit. Were you born with it? Is it congenital? Uh, yeah, mine is congenital. I was born with it. I don't remember what I was actually diagnosed. I'm assuming it was pretty early. Uh, One of my favorite facts, though, is the legitimate diagnostic test for nystagmus, especially if you're older and, like, not at risk for shaken baby syndrome, is to, they sit you in, like, an office chair, a spinny chair, and spin you around, and then stop you and look at your eyes. And if they're shaking, you've got nystagmus. If they're not, you don't. Yep. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I was going to talk about it later, but if you, I guess... I guess we should just get onto the Facebook thing now. Um, yeah, it is a decent so, segue. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so you posted something. You posted something on Facebook. It was a video of you in the chair spinning and then looking at the camera, and your eyes are going crazy. Yeah, um, I was sitting on a stool, just like screwing around, and my siblings and my parents think it's hilarious when I stop and my eyes shake. Um, like at the park they've got um you know like the tilty things where basically your momentum just keeps spinning you around so my siblings will stand and wait for me to get off of it so they can look (laughs) at my eyes and then they laugh and they think it's hilarious and I do think it's kind of hilarious too looking at myself so anyways I was on a stool and I had this clip of myself because I was curious how much were how much my eyes were shaking Um, And then so I posted it to the American Nystagmus Network Facebook group, 
and was like, you know, you've got nystagmus when, and it was just the video. And like, I put the laughing emoji. I thought it was hilarious, but um, I thought it was funny. Some too. person apparently did it. <laughs> yeah. So there was one person, this one woman uh, gave you a comment. She didn't find it funny. She said, here's, here's a quote. I'm reading from it right now. Some people don't find. Okay. Sorry. I'm also kind of like blind. Okay. Some people don't find, <laughs> some people don't find this disease very amusing. Equivalent to making fun of someone with a handicap. Dot, 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 dot. Grow up exclamation mark. Jesus. Okay. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go through the rest of the responses and then, and then we can discuss this a little bit. So you respond to that saying, I'm the person in the video. While nystagmus has a lot of drawbacks, I enjoy making fun of myself from time to time. And then uh, somebody else weighs in, Carol, she says, I have found humor makes dealing with my issues easier. You can't, you can't change it. You have to live with it. Humor helps. And then we've got this, uh, the woman responds to Carol. She says, Tell that to a young child who who don't understand it and that parent trying to console that young one potentially having surgery or that child being made fun of or misunderstood from teachers trying to fit in. Yeah, real funny, Ellie uh, Meyer. Is that is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, real funny, Ellie Meyer. Anyone wants to make fun of themselves, have some compassion and do it on your own time. Again, grow up. And then you respond, it says... It sounds like you're in a really hard place right now. I'd love to answer any question you have about growing up with nystagmus, and I really encourage you to watch Frankie Caputo's Nystagmus podcast and check out the children's book, Can I Tell You About Nystagmus? Nystagmus has led me to be a better advocate for myself, and despite never having surgery, not being able to drive, and other setbacks, I am extremely proud to be graduating high school with my associate's degree this spring. I wish you and your child well on your nystagmus journey. She responds, respectfully, you have no idea of my personal situation, but thank you and congratulations on your new journey. Okay, that that's pretty much the end of of your interaction with her. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely something. Um, honestly, I really, I it made me pretty angry when I first read it, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back with like a nice response, make her look like the mean one, and then... Yeah, and then had to plug the podcast, of course. <laughs> I, I really thought that you handled that situation very well. I even DM'd you after you after because um, you tagged me in the post, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, I, I wouldn't have responded that uh, nearly as well as you did to that response." It, it definitely took some time and patience. Yeah, well, you you killed him with kindness. Let, let's let's dissect these comments a little bit just to uh to, to kind of get a grasp on what's going on here. Um, some some people don't find this disease very amusing. Okay, yeah, well, no, I don't think anybody actually finds it particularly amusing unless you're very young and you just think it's funny that someone's eyes are moving. So like Carol mentions, making fun of yourself and having some humor can make it easier to cope with uh, with dealing with something like this. And obviously you agree with that because you're the one who made the post. Yeah, and it was, yeah. I mean, I think it's hilarious. My parents think it's hilarious. They call me um, Cookie Monster and Bobblehead, <laughs> especially if I'm having bad vision days. And you know, like it it sucks to have your eyes shake, but it does always kind of make me laugh. Yeah, I mean, it, like it's not fun, but 
you know, if you could find humor in it, it'll it'll help you. And then yeah, let's let's see this later on. She's I I don't think she really understands that. I guess I shouldn't have said her name. It's it's too late for that now. I don't <laughs> I don't even like she doesn't have nystagmus. I she's not the one with it. I think she's the grandparent, so she can't even relate to having the nystagmus. She she's never had it. You're the one who has it. I'm the one who has it. And so is everybody else, mostly anybody else in here. Um, yeah, I just I think found a it. lot of people. Go ahead. I think a lot of people definitely like catastrophize when they get their diagnosis. I can't speak to it as much, but from what my mom has told me, um, but like it's really not the end of the world. Um, especially in my city, we have really good public transit. There's Uber and stuff now, and um, you know, nystagmus isn't even like a you can't drive sentence you know um and just like as long as you educate yourself and are willing to educate others or at least refer others to sources that will educate themselves um like as long as you're a good advocate for yourself it's like it's just not the end of the world you know it's not a big deal and you know speaking as someone who's never had surgery um Dr. Hurdle has definitely got um a big kind of almost a cult following especially in that group um but you know for me my null point isn't that bad so surgery would never really help me um like it's just really not a big deal it is a big deal and it's not it influences your life but it doesn't ruin it and we're going to get into how it influenced your life too. It's actually one of the questions that I have because I'm curious about that as well. But just another point that I wanted to make on that whole interaction is I think that if you're a parent of someone with nystagmus or if you're very close to someone with nystagmus and you're treating it as such a negative thing, the way that this woman is treating it, it's really not going to have a positive influence on the kid with nystagmus. Like you're not helping them by what would catastrophizing it is, yeah what that, that's not an easy word to say okay well you're not helping <laughs> it you're not helping that kid by by making it seem like it's the end of the world like you're not encouraging the kid in any way it's really not beneficial and i that that's just another whenever i try to give advice to parents with kids with nystagmus i would tell them to do the opposite of what she's doing i would i would try to avoid looking at it as such a negative thing yeah it's definitely I think your outlook definitely depends like it definitely influences your kids and it's okay to say like you know this kind of sucks like this is a problem this is how it's affecting me and how it's affecting you but at the same time like again like it's not the end of the world um and like you become stronger from learning how to deal with it so how do you say you've become stronger from learning how to deal with your nystagmus? Um, definitely advocacy. Um, it is kind of part of how I was raised with, um, my dad tends to not be a very good advocate for himself as far as him needing accommodations because he's deaf. And then um, also my mom being so familiar with the accommodations system, especially in education. I've been raised to be a very good advocate for myself, um, but also just kind of learning more about myself and learning what I need 
with their kids going into public education, kindergarten, first grade, and needing a 504 plan. And I think it's really interesting because I never had that. I did not have a 504 plan until like the end of seventh grade. So kind of being more cognizant of myself in that experience, I think actually helped and just kind of figuring out what I needed. I will say it's definitely nice to have those accommodations at a younger age, but I think the way my experience was uh, definitely shaped a lot of the way I think about myself and how um, I know what I need today. What do you think is the most important thing that came from the 504 plan? What benefited you the most? Um, I think just the realization that looking up and down was really hard for me. Um, you know, like when you're in school and a lot of teachers teach with PowerPoints or my biggest struggles tend to be math and science because the way those two specific subjects are so often taught is the teachers just write on the board. They work out problems on the board, like it's very board focused. So to not be able to have that material and have that accessible to me is really tough. So one of the first accommodations we came up with is, you know, I need printed PowerPoints in front of me, um, you know, sitting on my desk so I can look back and forth from my notebook to the paper without having to refocus as much as looking up and down. Because for me, most of the time, um, and I think I'd say for everyone, like even if you don't have nystagmus, um, your eyes will just automatically do it is every time you look at a new thing, your eyes have to focus. Um, and then for nystagmus, when that focusing mechanism, the muscles in your eyes are so weak, it definitely becomes more of a problem. So having that material in front of me has made it a lot easier to focus. And it's something that's definitely a little different in college. But at the same time, PowerPoints and stuff are more often posted on um, like the websites we use. So I'd say it's easier to get access to them, even though they're used more, which is definitely helpful. That's one thing that I noticed as well is uh, information in college is tended to be it was I was able to access it easier because it was online. And if it's a PowerPoint, you could just zoom into it. And it's not like on a whiteboard in front of you. When I was in high school, pretty much everything was on a whiteboard. And I had to sit in the front if I ever wanted to to see anything. And even in the front, I really didn't see everything. Yeah, whiteboards are definitely a huge struggle. Smart boards aren't as bad because there are ways to like print and screenshot and stuff. Um, it does suck to get the material after the fact, but it's not as bad with whiteboards. I know when I was in middle school, um, we typically used whiteboards, but my it was very like no phones, you know? Um, so when we were trying to figure out accommodations for math specifically, one of the things we brought up is, well, can she just take her phone, take a picture of it and have it in front of her? And they were like, no, you can't have phones in class. So I was like, oh, whatever. Um, I was able to do that in science in high school and it helped some. But just the first math teacher I had with my 504 was very, very resistant to making accommodations. And that was super tough for me. Why do you think she was so resistant? Did she not understand um, your condition? Yeah, I mean, he was old. He didn't really understand. Oh, I don't it. know why I assumed it was a she, my bad. He. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's 
with nystagmus especially it's so tough because the way I tried to explain explain it to people is that it's not like it's not a sight issue it's a vision issue it's in other words like for me I say it's not what I see but how I see it um which I think isn't necessarily always true because I do like miss some stuff like road signs and all that but I guess the best example is like sports and like balls it's not whether or not I can see the ball it's like I see it far away and then my eyes lose focus and then I see it hitting my face you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, what sport's the worst gosh that's a good question I think frisbee is the worst for me. Ooh, I haven't tried frisbee, but yeah, frisbee, football, softball, baseball. Um, I did, I used to do a little golf, which is really nice because like the ball, like it doesn't move until you hit it. Um, So I definitely, I struggled with hitting it a lot, just kind of both with learning golf and like knowing where the ball is. Mm -hmm. Um, but because it's not moving and then you have to interact with it, you interact with it and then it's moving. I think that aspect definitely helps. Okay, so golf's not that bad for you. I've never played golf. Yeah, I've played mini golf. Oh, yeah, mini golf is pretty fun too. Otherwise, I do ballroom dance and that's actually really fun because um, like, it doesn't involve your eyes as much. So it's definitely one of my favorite recreational things to do. What got you into ballroom dancing? Um, a company came to teach my school in eighth grade and everyone else like hated it. There were people who wore gloves to the first day of class because they didn't want to touch the opposite sex. And I was just like, wow, whatever. <laughs> um, but were you it guys was young? Like, it was... Mm-hmm. Were you guys young? Like, like um, I mean, we were, we were eighth grade, but... Oh, I mean, you would think a lot of those people were a lot younger, by the way yeah. they interacted. You know, I was definitely a little scared at first, but my lungs don't work very well either. So like running and softball and soccer and all that stuff has never been great for me in that aspect either. So ballroom dancing was just kind of the perfect sport for me. Okay. And you kind of stuck with it. You so do it. Yeah, it's definitely been hard with COVID. You know, it's a lot of old people and it's physical touch. So it's been one of the last things to open back up, but it's definitely something I still enjoy. And you also sing in a choir too, right? Yeah. What got you into the choir? Um, I don't know. I've always been kind of, I don't want to say I've always been a musical kid. I'm not a prodigy by any means, um, but I come from a pretty musical family. My grandma plays, plays the piano and my uncle plays the guitar and all that music reading music can definitely be a struggle though it's not so bad with um voice music but I do also play the saxophone and I just remember in band like having a my stand like a foot higher than everyone else so it would be closer to my face Mm -hmm. yeah I have an issue with the reading music too it's not that I can't see it I just literally can't read it I I don't know how to read it but uh... yeah the the lines um the lines are definitely a huge struggle I would rather you know sometimes I'll just like write the note above the okay so you have like the music note and then you have the letter so I'll write the letter above the note and that helps sometimes by making it bigger yeah okay uh so have you ever met anybody with nystagmus before other than this 
Um, there has been one other person. He's my really good friend. Um, but he only gets nystagmus when he's very tired. So we definitely don't have as many of the same experiences, but occasionally he's able to relate. So sometimes, sometimes that can be helpful, but I will say like, you know, they say that nystagmus occurs one in every 1000 people. So it's BS. I'm wondering. I don't trust it. Right? I'm wondering where all of these people are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm dying to go to a nystagmus conference because it, sound, it sounds so interesting. I'll see you at the next one then. Though. There's one in 2023, I believe. I know. I was so sad because I was like, it was this year or like late last year. I was like, I really want to go to a nystagmus conference. And then I was like, oh, it happens every two years. So now yeah. I have to wait until 2023. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be worth it though. So how did, I'm curious, yeah. how did you find out that your friend had nystagmus? Did he tell you about it or did he just see it one day when he was tired? Um, I think he um I think he told me about it when I was like, Yeah, I have nystagmus, blah blah blah. And he's like, Oh, I get that sometimes when I'm really tired. Uh-huh. Um we don't see each other in person a lot. He lives down in Oklahoma, but um it was definitely interesting because it's definitely the, the first other person I've met. I do see the very occasional stranger who whose eyes like will shake a little bit or something. Mm-hmm. I think I saw this man maybe on the bus one day. This was like years ago. And I was like so close to asking him if, if he had nystagmus, but it felt very, <laughs> it felt like a very invasive personal question for like a guy on the bus. That'd be awkward if like, he was just, uh, that'd be awkward if he was just on meth or something. He was, yeah. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm, not, is- I'm actually on meth. <laughs> Yeah, that is one of my biggest fears is like people thinking I'm on drugs or drinking because of my eyes. I know um, a lot of people who drive will get polarized sunglasses where you can't see through it. So during the day, like if they ever get pulled over by a cop, it's not the first thing that a policeman will notice is their eyes shaking. So you've actually never had somebody come to you and ask you if you're drunk or if you're high? I want to say maybe one person, but it doesn't stick out to me. I am kind of waiting for the day though, especially now that like I am around of that age, you know, I'm 17. So like Mm -hmm. getting to be able to drink, getting to be able to like, yeah. Do all that stuff. Yeah. I've, I've gotten that a few times really. I've had people ask me if I was high before. Or or ask me what I'm on just from seeing my eyes. So sometimes I'll have a fun answer for them, but sometimes I'm not in the mood and I don't have anything. Yeah. There was a I used to work at Subway a while ago, and somebody left a review online saying that the guy that was working was high out of his mind and he couldn't he couldn't like look at the sandwich right. And I was like, hey, I think oh that I think that's me. <laughs> I think I'm the high <laughs> that's person. Hilarious. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So screw that guy that guy sucks (laughs) (laughs) uh so do you do you consider it to be a disability um i think that definitely tends to be a loaded question um so like when i'm applying for jobs and stuff um even if you have a disability don't ever say you have a disability like address the accommodations you need after your interview because um it's definitely something employers will look at um so i always yeah pro tip um so i'll always say 
um, like, no, I don't have a disability or like, I want to say on federal paperwork and stuff, like I would say I don't have a disability, but I definitely consider it a disability, especially having a 504 plan and all that. Um, and I think it's also important to note that I don't think like disability is a bad thing or a bad word. Um, it's definitely something I've learned to take more pride in. That was a good answer. So um, do, do you drive at all? Um, oh, that's also a loaded question. I definitely tried. Um, I don't think it's for me. I'd love to be where you are, where you have your license and don't really use it. Um, but driving sucks. Um, it's been interesting because I feel like a lot of the people I see will be like, yeah, I drive and I haven't really had a lot of problems. Like it doesn't really affect me and I don't mind driving or like I'll drive. I just don't drive at night and stuff like that. And then the other people were like, I tried driving. I hated it. Like not for me. I knew it wasn't for me right away. So it was really weird to kind of be in that um kind of stuck in the middle point mm -hmm. and i'm also my parents oldest child so i think like they've never you know taught a child how to drive before and they've never had a child start driving before so one comment i got from my mom is it was really tough for her to know like what issues i was having because i was a new driver and what issues i was having because of my stagmus fair and point then, i think also, like, I'm also a perfectionist, too, so a lot of driving and security. Um, but overall, I'm really comfortable with public transit, so I don't mind it. Um, well, it's, it's good like, that you live in a place that's got good public transportation. Yeah, we, we do have really good public transportation here. And then um, the university I'm going to has decent public transit, and they also have electric scooters. What state are you in again? Minnesota. Minnesota. How close are you to Minneapolis? Um, I am in a suburb of Minneapolis. I'm pretty okay. close. I've heard that the public transportation in Minneapolis is great. I've heard this from you now, and I've heard this from a bunch of different resources online. So it's good to hear that, that you agree with the resources. Yeah, I'd say the suburbs, it's not as great. But in Minneapolis, like there is a crap ton of buses. And um, with like parking and stuff, I know there are, I'd say probably 40% of people that work in Minneapolis would be my guess would be to probably take public transit to work. Hmm. I'd love to visit it there one day. And then gas prices, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it's worth it. Yeah. gas. Prices, I know. I'm so man. upset. We, when I was looking for more information and resources and YouTube videos about nystagmus, I found a clip about driving from a conference from the conference that was held here and i was like seriously i missed the conference that was here in minnesota <laughs> when was that which year was that gosh i want to say it's on the odd years so maybe 2017 yeah i remember that there was one there not so long ago i just didn't remember what year it was um so you don't drive which that that's the driving thing is actually interesting to me because I think you're the you're number eleven. So I've spoken to eleven people on the podcast, and I've spoken to multiple people outside of the podcast with nystagmus. And I really think it's probably fifty fifty. 
with the people that do yeah, don't drive. I think, yeah, I'd say that's about what I see. Um, it's interesting. My favorite video that, um, like, normally to my teachers, I send out an accommodation email at the beginning of the year saying, yo, like, this is what I need. Um, and I have gotten in the habit of attaching this video. It's about five minutes. It's called Nystagmus, the way we see it, um, by, I think it's just Nystagmus Network, but it is from England. And there are, oddly enough, there are a lot more Nystagmus resources in England. Yeah. And I think where the majority of the research is being done. And there, um, at least from that video, it is implied that no one with nystagmus drives like there's this four-year-old and then her mom is talking and she's like you know it's tough knowing that they'll never be able to drive but like you learn how to live with it so i found that really interesting i don't know if like the vision requirements are different in europe but i found that super interesting my favorite is there's this like 18 19 20 year old and he's like you know um my first thought was like you know it sucks that I won't be able to drive and then he was like and my second thought was I'll never be the designated driver when we go to the pub (laughs) I was like you know what I appreciate that that's a good way of looking at it that's I look at it that way too I've never been designated driver before never had to worry about it so yeah well honestly it probably wouldn't be a good idea given our eyes (laughs) yeah I don't think it would be a good idea either people already think that I'm drunk it just wouldn't be a good idea yeah 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 and then as far as like accommodations and stuff um something I discovered a few years ago is if you hit control plus um instead of like zooming in or like in textbooks sometimes they have something to make the text bigger control plus will actually reconfigure your screen so the text is bigger, but it still fits on the screen mm-hmm. because um, like if you have to scroll side to side to get the entire line of text, that is the same work as it being smaller because then you have to refocus again. And then my other genius tip is, um, you know, everyone just has that one like really loud shirt, you know, the neon orange shirt, the oh, yeah. bright tie-dye shirt make your family members wear those two events. The Minnesota State Fair is a really big deal here. Um, we have one of the biggest state fairs. I think we're second only to Texas. Um, but my mom will always wear a tie-dye shirt when we go because she it makes her easier to find. That's so smart. Um, yeah, and noticing things by colors for me is so much easier than trying to pick out facial features. Um, yeah, it's just like ever since she started doing that, it's been so helpful. Now, what about in terms of maybe somebody who's who's about a bit self-conscious about their eyes? So, for example, for me, I've never actually been really self-conscious about the visual aspect and like in terms of what I can see and what I can't see. More of the insecurity came from people bullying me or saying that I look weird and that my eyes are going crazy. And I would Yeah. So any advice for for people struggling with things like that? Um I think um back to what we were talking about earlier like kill them with kindness. Um don't be afraid to educate people. I know it's exhausting, but it definitely helps. 
I totally just had a thought and it disappeared. Oh, it'll come back to you right when I press the end record button. Yep, of course. <laughs> um, how about for parents? Any advice for them? Um, I think don't bully people online is a good place to start. Um, yeah, just like don't catastrophize. It's not the end of the world. Um, and then I guess the other thing I'd say is don't ever stop asking your child questions. Try to learn as much as you can because some of my mom's like biggest revelations about nystagmus have been from her like looking at things online and being like, hey, do you do this? Can you see this? Um, kind of back to the shirt thing. That was one of the things like she was like, can you pick people out in a crowd? Like at this music festival we went to, like, could you see me? I'm like, no, I cannot pick you out until you're like a hundred feet away. And I was like, wait, people who don't have nystagmus can do that. Right. And she was like, yeah, I can see somebody from, I was like, what, excuse me. Um, and so I'd say like, that's some of where my parents have learned the most is just like, keep asking them questions about what you can and can't see. Um, don't be afraid to advocate for your child and just like try and learn as much as you can. Um, the American Nystagmus Network Facebook group is a great place to start. This podcast is a great place to start. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really agree with you about the, uh, well, like we spoke about earlier, the not catastrophizing it. Did I say that right? God, I've never said yeah. that word before. Okay, cool. So not doing that, not making it seem like it's such a such a hard thing, and educating yourself and asking questions. These these are all really good things to uh to do, and not not make it. I guess this this goes back to the catastrophizing it, but not make it seem like it's the end of the world. Give the child hope. Mm -hmm. Make the child think that they're capable of doing anything that they want to, because realistically, we are capable of doing anything that we want to do. It's really not that much of a setback it might I th yeah. it's more of a hurdle you know it's, you can get over the hurdle mm -hmm. and then I just say like if something doesn't feel right explore new options I think my like my I don't even know if he's technically an ophthalmologist the vision clinic I went to well that'd be my first recommendation see an ophthalmologist not not optometrist there is a difference um and, you know, I used to, like, go into my eye clinic, and I didn't get glasses until significantly later either. I actually didn't get glasses until um, the summer after eighth grade. Um, but, I mean, there's only so much you can do for nystagmus, but I went to go into my eye clinic, and I was like, oh, it was just kind of the same thing. You know, they do kind of a quick eye exam. It didn't feel very thorough. And then for one reason or another, I switched um, ophthalmologists and the new one was like, hey, let's put prisms in your glasses. Um, as far as like actual nystagmus, it hasn't done too much. Um, it's mostly cosmetic. They, I don't know how well they'll be able to see on Zoom, but um, my lenses are thicker on one side mm -hmm. and it helps correct my null points so my head looks straighter and so that has really helped and it's sometimes it feels mostly cosmetic but the more I think about it it does always help with like neck fatigue true um I guess the other advice is like ask your children where they want to sit and don't let them be afraid to experiment 
you know, think about like rearranging your living room, finding a good spot for them. Or when we go to see performances, my mom will always ask like, which side do you want to sit on again? Like, would you rather sit on the right side of the theater, the left side of the theater? Um, and so, yeah, just like listen to your child's preferences. Okay, good. Yeah, um, listen to the preferences, definitely. And yeah, definitely in terms of sitting, uh, I definitely have a preference on where I sit. I'd always rather sit like in the back left corner. That way I'm kind of looking over to the right as opposed to looking to the left, because I feel like my eyes are just more stabilized when I'm looking over to the right side. Yeah, my preference tends to be more towards the middle, but you know, like how they have sometimes in theaters, it's like they have edge rows that are like shorter, maybe like three to five seats, and then they've got the big middle chunk. Mm -hmm. I'd prefer to be sitting in like the middle chunk, but definitely I'd rather sit to the right. Yeah, 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 me too. I'd rather sit in the middle to the, actually, well, yeah, I would rather sit. Did I say I wanted to sit on the right earlier? I want to sit to the left. Yeah. So I guess your no point is a little on the opposite side of mine. A little mm-hmm. different different directions. Yeah. What about if you're sitting at a table of four? Would you rather sit on the right side? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I'd rather, like if it's two and two, I'd rather sit on the right. But that's actually kind of another deaf culture thing is we, like in my family, we have a round table. And that actually really helps um, because then like my dad can see everybody. Mm, Okay. But I I guess if it's like two and two, I'd rather be sitting on the right. Okay. I I was curious if other people deal with this or I feel like it can't just be me. But let's say I'm sitting at a table with a couple of my friends or not friends. Let's just say acquaintances because I feel like it's a little different with friends but we could be having a conversation and I could be contributing to the conversation. And even when I'm contributing to the conversation, the people who I'm talking to will try to like, I'm a little self-conscious about this. Like they'll, they'll talk, they'll be talking to each other. Like it feels like they don't want to look at my eyes. It feels like it's making them uncomfortable to, to look at my eyes and interact with me in that way. Do you experience anything like that? That's interesting. I think it's definitely the less people know about you. I feel like the more um, the more conscious they are of it. But my close friends and family, they don't tend to notice very often. If they do, they don't tend to say anything or they'll just be like, wow, you're having a bad vision day, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> um, I guess that's the other thing is like bad vision days are a thing um sometimes um you know my favorite like kind of joke or personal anecdote is they say nystagmus gets worse when you're anxious or tired but I have an anxiety disorder and I'm a college student so I'm always anxious (laughs) I'm always tired and sometimes like it's bad for no reason sometimes you just wake up and your eyes choose violence and that's okay (laughs) yeah I, you know, I don't think that I that I experience bad vision days versus good vision days. I feel like they're all pretty, they're all pretty much the same to me. But you're you're not the first person who said something like that, so I get it. Like th- there will be moments where they're really bad, but not like throughout the whole day. You know, just here and there yeah. for me at least. But yeah, um. Hey, I really appreciate you coming back and talking to me. Thank you.
Yeah. I'm excited to listen to more people. I loved um, hearing Chloe's experiences because she's around my age. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people with nystagmus either feel like really old and they're like, oh, I've dealt with it my whole life, blah, blah, blah. Or they're super young and they're just like children. Um, And it's interesting because nystagmus can come with so many other things like ocular albinism is one I see a lot yep so to talk with people that just have nystagmus or have nystagmus and an astigmatism I think is um really it's kind of fun to hear about yeah it's it's definitely been kind of therapeutic for me to talk to other people with nystagmus just because it's never happened before the podcast and now, yeah. now I'm up to I'm up to 11 now so it's it's nice to talk to other people that you can relate to yeah it's really nice to listen to <laughs> hey well I'm happy I'm happy about that um yeah so thank you again for talking to me I'd like to thank everybody who's listening everybody who made it this far thank you for listening the podcast is available on YouTube and on Apple podcasts so you can either listen to it or you can watch it you can do you know which, whatever you want with it uh, if you're watching yeah, on YouTube, you get it on Spotify. I'm trying. I'm trying. I have a publishing. Probably expensive. No, no, it's. I don't think it's expensive. I I go through a publishing website called Podbean, and for some reason, they publish automatically to Apple and to a bunch of other podcasting places, but they don't do it to Spotify. I have to. I have to well, that's figure dumb. that out. It, it is dumb. It is dumb. Podbean. You guys got to fix that. Um, but that's actually one of the goals of mine is to get it on Spotify. I'll try to do that this week and that'd be so cool yeah yeah so i got them on spotify too so hopefully by the time i'm recording the next outro i can say they're also available on spotify so yeah (laughs) yeah uh hey thank you everybody for listening if you're watching on youtube please give the video a like and a comment let me know what you guys think um if you're listening on apple podcasts hopefully by next week spotify leave the podcast a review and hopefully a good one if it's a bad one that's okay too but i like the good ones as well Uh, All right. Thank you.